You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge Knives. Now, Outdoor Edge has a large range of fixed and replaceable blade knives and game cleaning kits. Now, imagine this. You just shot a deer in the backcountry or an elk or whatever, and it's time to break it down right? It's hot. You're a long way from the truck. So time is a factor and you got to get the meat back to the truck. So there's no waste. Your blade becomes dull. So instead of having to stop and sharpen the blade, all you do is you take your outdoor edge knife, you push a button on the handle, the blade pops out, you put a new blade back in and you're back to work. You get back to the truck, there's no wasted meat, everybody wins. Now, if you want to find out more information about Outdoor Edge and their complete line of knives and game cleaning kits, all you have to do is go to OutdoorEdge.com and when you check out or you decide you want to purchase a knife, enter the discount code NATION30 and you're going to save 30% off of your purchase. That's NATION30 and that's OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast this week. I'm your host, Matt Dye, and we are going to be reviewing, updating you on our current project, working with Brenton and his team up in northeast Iowa on the Burr Oaks Bluff property. This past spring, we had done a property um, kind of, if you will, tour through a podcast um, bringing you Burr Oaks Bluff and, and the property transformation that was going to occur over the next few years on that property. Um, by Brent and his team, we had helped uh, facilitate the sale of, of that property and then went to consult and produce a plan for the property to guide them through adding value, through aesthetics, through um, uh, recreational opportunities and increased hunting, uh, fishing, as well as improved habitat, some restorations of some really cool ecological landscapes and and, and systems there. So um, really neat project, really cool property. And what we're going to be doing is reviewing all that today, where they're at, what they've gotten done, um, what some of the, the wins are along that transformation. We spend so much time, you know, 
doing podcasts on properties and, and just what the recommendations were. Like, hey, here's what we told that landowner to do. Well, you kind of heard that on this property, but but here is the implementation side of it. Here's how they've taken that plan and are working through it. So here's some of the progress you guys are going to hear. Um, again, some of, some of the wins, some of the some of the, the the benefits that they're able to see already from from the work, and really just a, a few short months of what that work has involved in. So you guys are going to hear from Brenton, and um, excited for you guys to to you know let us know what you think on the Burr Oaks Bluff property. If you have questions regarding it, let us know at info at landandlegacy.tv. But first, before we get into that, here's just a quick reminder that if you guys have any questions regarding real estate in your area, recreational real estate, um, be sure to reach out. You can go to www.thelandandlegacy.tv, click the Real Estate Consulting tab. We would be happy to help you send in information. You know, if you're looking to purchase a property um, before you go through with that, we'd be happy to work with you and give you some guidance or represent you in that sale or if you're looking for a qualified agent in your area as well, we'd be happy to work with you to find them. Real estate can be a tricky thing. It can be a daunting task. Um, and typically speaking, it's one that involves quite a bit of money. So you want to make the right choices with that. And we'd be happy to help you with that. So go check out www.landandlegacy.tv. Click on the Real Estate Consulting tab and fill out some information. What's going on, Brenton? Are you there? Yes, sir. I am here. Oh, man, how's life up in the great state of Iowa? Uh, it is It is going well, minus the heat. Yeah. Um, probably for everyone, probably in the same boat for everybody else. It's uh, yeah. definitely steamy down here. We're, we're, we're experiencing a lot of that same heat. And like you said, there's a lot of people who are. Um, what about the rain situation? Uh, you know, you know, obviously crops are such a humongous importance to uh, just the state economy and, and everyone, um, so many residents up there. What are things looking like? What's what's the outlook yes. right now? I know it's a tough it's a tough year from the rain standpoint, but you know, just generally speaking, quick ag talk. What what's the buzz going on? Yeah, like how are farmers doing? Yeah, again? yeah. Well, um, anybody who follows ag in any which way, shape, or form, you know, probably knew about a decent amount of the uh, slaughterhouses closing mm-hmm. and processing plants, and that really hurt our pork and cattle producers, which then in turn hurt our commodity prices on the corn and soybeans. So um, that that took a hit uh, a couple months ago. I, they had uh, grain prices at least have re- rebounded some and, and it will come back. But um, that so that in conjunction with the fact that um, some areas really have or I think they're in drought conditions. Yeah. Um, I used field view, I believe mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Um, the app you guys recommended a while back. And it's interesting, actually, uh, our, we have a farm by Sioux city mm-hmm. or two of them, I guess. Um, the main one we hunt though is, is pretty behind this year on sure. rain. And then we have a couple of farms, um, down in the Southern Woodbury and Monona County area. And, um, one of them we'll talk about today. And one of those farms is not that far, maybe 15 minutes from the other. And that one's gotten, it seems like only 60% of the rain in the other one. Oh, wow. So, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy how 
literally you can be 15 minutes from, you know, a farmer can probably have fields 15 minutes from each other, but one's gotten hit by some bigger rains. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. My yeah. dad actually noted it's been falling as well. And we've noticed how uh, the Baroque Bluffs has actually probably gotten the most rain out of all the farms that wow. we kind of uh, take care of. Sure. So. Well, that's good. And that's good. Good intro into a positive realm going into Burroughs yeah. Blah. <laughs> I know. One yeah. we cannot control. Yeah. Yeah. We, it, it's, it's so much, uh, there's so, so many things that are just, let's say it's a downward trend in society right now, but Burroughs Bluff is not one of them. There's some, no. there's some cool things that are happening. And like we said in the intro, we just want to share that. We, we, we want to share, um, you know, the, the transition of a property, because this is a really cool project, um, one in a very sensitive site from the, the less hills, but then um, has some, some incredible balances between um, hardwoods, some um, open, what well, I guess what would be or are in the process of being open grassland type areas as well as crops. And um, this just region uh, of Iowa is, is very special from from a wildlife hunting opportunity not just from a deer standpoint but from you know even waterfowl this place got lakes and ponds i know we're going to be able to talk about that today too but um it's it's so fun to not only just from a podcast standpoint talk about properties that we've either been on what the recommendation is but let's also talk about the implementation of that recommendation so we're just going to give an update on the transition of burr oaks bluff farm. So I think if people need a refresher, they can certainly go back to the podcast and listen to the original conversation we had about this property. Um, so now they're up to date on what it was, what, what, what basically what we were dealing with at the very first, um, the introduction of Burroughs Bluff. But you guys have been hot and heavy when it comes to Eastern Red Cedar and removing those, cutting those, so kind of walk us through some of your uh, plan of attack and then implementing um, that removal of, of Eastern Red Cedar. Yeah. Um, so there is at least 80 acres um, measured by government agency of uh, Eastern Red Cedars on this farm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we've been, we've been getting after it. Uh, we've been spending most of our time, um, on the, we've been spending most of our time on the North side, um, of like the central area. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, probably 15 acres or so of what's just going to be, um, a dynamite spot. And I think you've mentioned it a couple of times. Like if there's a a Boone and Crockett killed near number one, it's the high likelihood it'll come out of there just because the habitat is so good as is. Right. So we spent some time in there, but we spent probably the most of our time in the past 45 days, 60 days has been on this, um, it's like this finger that sticks out into the bottom part of the property that is covered most by Eastern red cedars. And probably the secondary tree I would say is, uh, um, bur oaks. Mm-hmm. And so, it's actually where a lot of the turkeys, as we learned this spring, um, spend their time in the spring roosting. Yep. Um, so it's going to be really fun as we've probably cut 80 to 90 percent of that unit. We're almost finished and getting ready to move on to the next unit. That's great. Um, so but I, I'm really excited to see um, 
how much more the turkeys as spring next next year goes into full nesting, mm-hmm. how much more time uh, the hens will spend in those areas once there's high quality, um, you know, basically cover for nesting yeah. and cover just for, for um, rearing their, their chicks and transitioning into food that we've got food plots set up. Actually, we'll be on flanking both sides of that um, that uh, finger that sticks out in the property of, of a, basically a big ridge. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. That's that's super exciting. So like, what percent of that 80 acres or how many acres do you think you guys have, have tackled so far this growing season? This is among, you know, other, other um, techniques and, and implementing other things on the farm as we'll get to later on. But like how, how many acres do you think you, you've been able to cut and fell cedars currently of the 80? Probably, I would say probably 15, mm-hmm. which, you, you know, it's tough to say exactly. I yeah. feel like some, some acres... It can take you several, like, like it seems like half a day or a day sure. of two guys. And then um, there'll be other times where I feel like, you know, you can go really fast. So uh, there's some really big, really overcrowded. There really is nothing that can grow because they're so thick in this area. So this is probably going to be one of the worst areas mm-hmm. um, to cut in, minus uh, some sections on the very north end of the farm. But um, so we kind of know that. So we're kind of starting with the worst. Maybe that was a bad idea, but <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> Hopefully it's, what's cool. it only, it only gets easier from here. Right. Right. What's cool is that, um, we, as we've been cutting this whole unit, now there's these views that didn't exist before, oh, yeah. um, that are just absolutely stunning. So not quite as good as the ones in the Southwest corner of the farm, but mm-hmm. there's these views. Now we, I had a friend come cut with me just cause he, he loves just doing this type of work. He loves out West. Sure. So he actually just loves coming to this property and helping a little bit here and there because he loves um, being out in Montana and Colorado. And this reminds me of that. So it was cool. Uh, we got done. We went up, it was starting to get hot for the day. So we finished around noon. We went up, sat on top of the hill and it's just like, he's like, man, I could just, I could just spend some time here. <laughs> and it's, and it's so cool because, you know, what was so obstructed by, by just one poor quality habitat at, at that exact um, location now has been completely exposed, exposing not only aesthetic value, but improving habitat there as well. And so that's just a double win when you're able to soak in some of that hard work along the process and just kick back and like, wow this view is incredible. Like that, that's really, really cool. That's fun. So you guys have been kind of attacking that in in, in multiple different ways. I think you got kind of found, found your strength and found, found the ways that kind of work best. Um, but it's a combination of, of not only utilizing, uh, chainsaws, but, uh, kind of a a two man crew, but then going in with the skid steer too, as well, where it can access, um, whether it's flat around, you know, safe to be able to get one and down in there and doing a tree shear and shearing these trees off and letting them, you know, fall over essentially where they lay, or if they're underneath the crown of a, of a large tree that wants to keep kind of sliding them back into the opening, but essentially kind of tag teaming that has been the best method for moving through not only safely, but, but efficiently as possible too. Right. Correct. Yeah. We, we actually got a, uh, a skid steer specifically for this property. We knew we were in the market for one, but we got one on tracks mm-hmm. and then, um, uh, we have a tree shear with it. And so we're able to shear, um, trees off up to 14 inches. Right. So, um, it's been pretty cool too. We've got some paths kind of, 
as we've worked through that that bottom section that have developed that will probably actually double as fire break lines but also trails like you literally you'll be able to drive all the way up to the top with a utv if you got little kids or sure if you have someone who just maybe just wants to see some of the views but um we're planning on probably keeping some of those trails that have been created because we can get a utv now to multiple spots on that ridge Well, and that's important. I mean, and that's a good transition to go into when it comes to trail systems. Um, And and we've we've talked about trail systems on the property, not only from just accessing hunting locations, various hunting locations across the property, but also that management implication that has then too for utilization of prescribed fire lines and just the ease of it when you get the right times to burn. Well, there's already a road there. So um, this is those those small little trails are not the only thing from a trail system that you guys have um, been working on as well. There was one portion of the, the farm that was going to be difficult um, to plant and access multiple for, for multiple different uh, wind directions in the north portion of the property. I think we had talked about that in the last podcast. But since the time of taking ownership, that road is now in, correct? Yeah, it's, it's not quite finished, but um, it is... It's been roughed in, yeah. and so, um, you know, it's going to look even better by, you know, when we're all said and done with it, um, probably I would say by next spring or this mm-hmm. fall. Basically, right now, we're, we're just going crazy after cedars. Sure. Um, but we'll, we'll probably rough that. We'll probably finish that up a little bit better here, I would think, sometime in late August yep. uh, as deer are dropping their velvet off in early September. But, yeah, they'll, there's a road that's going to be also a gorgeous kind of a drive, really. Um, that previously there was really no good access, um, to the north side of the farm to where we actually put a, a, um, almost a three acre soybean plot in and where there's some really cool native, um, plants like the Illinois bundle flower, which actually finding a lot more of up there, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, there's just the only way to access that whole North 40 is going to be, um, through this trail system. Right. And so... You're talking about some cool plants there, too, that you guys have seen. You've sent me images of of Illinois bundle flower, uh, purple prairie clovers. I believe there's white prairie clover. Your dad sent me a picture of a side oats grandma and just some awesome, awesome things that, you know, not every site um, has the ability to to produce um, and see on a routine basis. But this site is very strong from the native vegetation, whether it's pollinators, the wildflowers, all these these different cool plants that have and hold lots of different wildlife value. But one of the other techniques that we're using to increase that consistency and offering of those vegetation types is by spraying out cool season grasses because part of this farm has certainly had cattle run on it um, so there was a heavy presence of smooth brome across designated areas on the property, but you guys kind of tackled that uh, portions of it this spring. Walk us through what what that uh, application and kind of response has looked like so far. Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, we've uh, we've sprayed out parts um, near the um, southeast corner of the property near the pond. Um, we've sprayed out portions um, on the central part of the farm, butting up to kind of flanking that that finger I was talking mm-hmm. about. Um, that's that big ridge that runs in, into the property that's um, 
kind of hugged by this big wetlands area. And then we've sprayed out some on the north end of the farm. We didn't get it quite all finished. Um, And then there's probably been several acres sprayed up and near the home Mm -hmm. um, next to some food plots that have been put in and some uh, next to just kind of these fingers of timber that run into um, kind of the bottoms area next to the uh, road. So uh, we tried to, um, just because we got the farm, we didn't get the farm until February and we were waiting on some NRCS um, things to come back. We we uh, didn't quite get as much spraying as we wanted done this spring, but right. we're looking forward to spraying kind of probably finishing everything off this fall and next spring. And so um, whatever we don't get knocked out this fall, uh, it will be finished up in the spring. And so, but yeah, as far as plants we're seeing come back, um, just a little bit of everything. Uh, We have seen, like I said, on the north side, there's been Illinois bundle flower that's come Mm -hmm. back, just some of your native grasses, um, big blue stem, little blue stem. Um, There's been... uh, some of your, I, I believe they're native, uh, that horseweed, or is it mayor's tail? Mayor's tail, yep, yep. Yep, that's and, come. And that, that's the, the the funny thing. You know, I'm sure there's probably goldenrod, and, and I'm sure there's probably... Yep, there is goldenrod of... coming back. There's um, there's some uh, common ragweed, a lot mm-hmm. of common ragweed coming back. Nice. There is, um, I think, even some giant ragweed. Sure. Maybe I'm, I may be thinking of a different farm there. Sometimes my brain is <laughs> trying to like mentally inventory stuff as I'm at. I just started sure. to fall in love with plant communities. So Yeah. Um, well, and you're doing a lot yeah. of the same techniques on, on these other ones as well. But Correct. Gen- generally speaking, yeah, you're, what, what, the areas that you're targeting from that cool season grass removal ultimately – is creating an incredible amount of edge across the property. And like it, with the way the farm lays out the, the balance of cropland to either the, the cedar wooded areas. Um, there's so much edge along the, the, those um, features the habitat features that are coming together that there's a lot of places that, that needed to be, um, addressed and that cool season grass terminated but you look across and if, if you were to add up the number of acres that you guys sprayed this year um, during that, that during that window for the cool season grass specifically how many acres do you think that it was yeah i'm actually looking at onyx right now trying to figure that out i would say and some of it got planted into food plots some of it oh, sure. not but yep yep um three three six i would say i don't know probably 15 acres i I think that's a a fantastic point to make is until you actually go out and spray some of the areas many people underestimate how much actual odd area or let's say less um yet less utilized portions of a property there are because many times you find them along the edge of a food plot, along the edge of a field, and you're like, oh, that doesn't add up to that much. It's like 10 feet wide, right? But 10 yep. feet wide stretched out along um, lots of points and fingers and jagged edges around fields, it adds up. And and 15 yeah. acres, that's a good amount to, to spray out. Um, it doesn't take a long time. It's not a, a super heavy labor deal. But yeah. now you have 15 more acres of old field management and native herbaceous weeds and grasses that is killer for turkeys quail pheasants 
white-tailed deer. The list goes on and on. It's like, I got 15 more acres of better habitat in like two days. Cool. Yeah, it's been cool. You, uh, uh, quick side note, don't even forget, but we, we actually have been seeing quail like a quarter mile away from the property on the gravel road next to CRP. So nice. we, we know they're in the area. Yeah. Um, and so we, they will be, my goal is to be, to have them be on the farm, seen on the farm in the next two years. Um, oh yeah. But it's been cool actually. Like you said, these areas we've sprayed and these areas we've cut, we, we have cameras out mm-hmm. and, um, the amount of morning and evening pictures. So like during, during, during light hours, yeah. um, during hot times. So we're not just saying like 2am in the morning, we're also getting those pictures too, but we're talking, you know, does and bucks coming into these areas, you know, when it's seven thirty in the morning, it's been light for an hour. And that's, these are good signs that yeah. we're seeing, um, that we're, we're probably very close to their beds. They're setting up their beds. We're setting up and things are starting to play out already. Like, like we anticipate or want them to. And you guys have done quite a bit of, um, not only just, just cutting cedars, but you guys cut quite a bit of hardwoods and, and set back some of the, the over overgrown um, elm. There's quite a bit of Siberian elm, too, growing in um, some of these areas. But you guys cut some of that, cut hickory, um, any, yep. any big, tall shrubs, stuff like that, set those back. What Have you guys seen um, quite yeah. a bit of browse in those areas as well from that, from that uh, woody regeneration? Yeah, actually, one of the cameras I'm thinking of right now my dad uh, early this spring um, uh, took took a, I think it was a day or a half day and went and cut in pretty much uh, unless it was too big of a tree mm-hmm. to um, and even those he would just girdle but he went and cut probably on the it's that uh, 10 to maybe 15 acre block that probably one of your favorite spots in the farms in the central part yeah. um, he went and cut in an area and we set a camera there shortly thereafter. And since then, deer just, I mean, that's probably one of the most morning going back to bed. These yeah. deer is probably one of the most frequented cameras, but there's a lot of wild raspberry coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, in and in that cut where he, where he had cut. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and actually further down that ridge, uh-huh. as soon as we bought the farm, one of the things we did kind of for fun, our brother-in-law was in town. And so he had never really done this kind of stuff. He's an actuary from Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we went out and we, we cut, um, pretty much like five, six hours, one Saturday afternoon. It was still, you know, I think it was March maybe. And, um, that one is blown up with, uh, wild, lots of wild raspberries, probably the dominant plant, mm-hmm. um, which is great because I mean, it's great for, uh, quail or pheasants or Turkey because you know, it, it kind of shoots, I mean, you know, but, and then yeah. it provides fruit and uh, late, late in the spring, which, you know, deer and, and, wildlife and turkeys are going to eat and um man they they love that stuff for browse um it's like an all year a year-round food it's one of my favorite foods um because i like to even eat it when i find it (laughs) oh yeah absolutely no that's awesome it's 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 good to see that quick response i mean that was done we're we're talking a matter of three four months you know time frame um, in which yep. that response has has encouraged new growth, but then actually new activity from wildlife to responding to what was done. Um, so that's a big positive. Um, so overall, you got cutting, you got spraying, you got new roads, but also another big feature um, that you guys have just, you know, there's been some management um, involved in, in the pond itself, but just an overall enjoyment of the pond and having that as a resource 
throughout the spring to enjoy family coming out there. Um, kind of walk yeah. us through that, that pond feature because you, know, you and I both know as good as Burr Oaks Bluff is and is getting getting to be going to be from a hunting standpoint, the wildlife habitat that it's going to be offering, it's going to be fantastic. But you still want to be able to enjoy it year-round, that property, yeah. that investment. And so when we're talking about a pond and a good-sized pond, you want it to be a good fishery and a good place to be able to take kids, wife, enjoy it. And um, you guys have kind of been pleasantly surprised at the pond and, and what it's been able to uh, supply from a fishery. So kind of walk us through that this spring. Yeah. This is this single feature has not only surprised me most about the farm, um, it has probably changed some family trajectory for our, our own personal family. So, wow. um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later down the road because I don't know how we won't be able to, but um, during the, the COVID lockdown, you know, one of the things we would do on Sundays because we couldn't go to church was mm-hmm. um, we would go. Uh, listen to you know, listen to something on the on the ride down, but then we would sure. go fish a lot of times on Sundays or Saturdays. And my wife kind of fell in love with riding UTVs this yeah. spring and fishing, and it's just chocked full of bass. I mean, it, it would be pretty common in in two hours, two and a half hours to catch fifty bass mm-hmm. um, for three people. Right. Um, and we also caught very there's there's some really big crappies in there. Yeah. Um, uh, 14, 15, um, we might even caught a 16 inch this spring, lots of really monster, you know, uh, you know, just really big crappies. And so, um, it's been cool because now my wife wants us someday, hopefully sooner rather than later to have a property that has a really good pond. And that's a request yeah. <laughs> that she made for me. I, so I <laughs> it's funny how after listening to uh, the podcast, I think you guys had a, a gentleman you helped out in Ohio mm-hmm. where that kind of, I'm like, this is interesting that buying a farm that you don't just deer hunt or turkey hunt on like that. The whole family enjoys him. And now I heard that now I'm seeing that happen sure. in my own family. Right. My wife would be pro and or okay me long-term buying a property that was quite expensive that's not just selfish because we could go she's basically told me if we can trail ride it or if we could you know um fish on it from a pond standpoint and take kids like use it year-round she's like that's something we should do down the road she's Um, like i'm all in (laughs) she's like i'm all in so it's been cool and as far as a manager from the pond so we did a number of things um, uh, we've been in touch with some kind of some experts, mm-hmm. um, I would say in this arena and we've, uh, I think, uh, pond boss is mm-hmm. a um, really good source. Um, they recommended, uh, uh, an outfit out here in, in Iowa. So like basically they recommend them, they give them their seal of approval. We've been working with them on kind of what to do and what to take out. And, um, we've stocked, um, adult bluegill, adult red ears. Um, which is another type of sunfish family um, that kind of focuses more on snails um, and crustaceans and things like that. Um, So we've done that because there was no bluegill in the pond, um, which is the number one source, um, as I've found out, for largemouth bass. And so we want to kind of make this into even better bass fishing because right now it's overpopulated or was less and less. Um, So we've stocked adult uh, bluegill and red ears and also uh, smaller fish. We've removed 
I would say probably 300 plus um, bass um, this spring, which might sound like a lot or too many. um, But if if anybody kind of knows anything about restoring ponds and closed system fisheries, um, it's a must. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you guys have podcasts on that, that with people who know a lot more about ponds than me, I'm just starting to learn, which I love. But we removed a lot of stunted bass. Um, we've, uh, really haven't taken hardly any of the crappies out. Um, we've basically, if it's a trophy, we leave it. So we have caught some large bass. We've caught probably a four or five pound bass. Um, that was the biggest one. And we've been caught, caught quite a few of just monster crappies. I've never seen such big crappies in my life. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, and then we've dropped quite a bit of cover. So we dropped cedars in right away when we bought it, when the ice was still in the pond, mm-hmm. um, to help uh, hold, um, just small, uh, bait newly fish. hatched fish, bait mm-hmm. fish. Yep. Um, and then, uh, we've been ordering, uh, different types of actual pond structures, mm-hmm. um, recommended ones, ones that are made out of, uh, like a, a hard plastic or steel sure. and that provide lots of cover and structure. Um, and so we've ordered probably seven or eight of those and, uh, we'll be dropping those here probably in the next month or so. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's exciting. We've been kind of just following from experts on like on what to do step by step. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's a non-usual farm pond, very clear right. this spring. You could probably see six to eight feet very easily, that's um, awesome. which is, which is unusual for farm ponds. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, obviously it turned out to be a, an incredible asset to the property, not only just from general recreation uh, of being able to get out on the water whether it's kayak fish but but not just fish but have great catch rates at the same time of having some really good quality fish though too which is which is a unique balance but you're doing quite a bit more to improve the fishery itself from adding structure cover um, into additional bait fish and then limiting the number of mouths in that pond itself so it sounds like it's headed in a fantastic direction but I think you hit on it well um you know any any time that we can focus in and say wow that your your wife just gave you a blessing to purchase a a property and and the parameter is it has to have a pond um for the enjoyment and, and uh, of the family and for her enjoyment i mean that's big uh, you know, that's you don't hear about you know just that blessing just being given out every now and then. But I feel like the key in in trying to make that, let's say, family decision, that family move to purchase property to enjoy it, and just like you guys were dur- during lockdown, COVID, all this stuff, you guys got outside and got outside of the family unit and found common ground outside but in a different way, still still a way that you enjoy property and that you enjoy being outside, but you created memories in a different way. It wasn't just hunting in a blind during early January. It was cold, and you were out in the spring and summer where you can enjoy with the family, and that brought yeah. extreme value, and she took notice of that. Um, obviously, now her blessings on that place or, or on a different place that's got the same potential. I think that that lesson can probably be applied applicable to the people who are listening now too of, you know, if you want this to be yeah. 
purchasing land to be a positive, well, you got to find the positives that are going to be, you know, reflective across the whole family. And, hey, now you've got some good intel to use down the road, man. Heck, yeah. Man, it, it the amen, that it's, I can't, it is, might be the most valuable thing I take from this property when it's all said and mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm. Um because it, it, I think up until now, it was always like, how much can I hunt so that I'm not in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And no, I I mean, that was that was as honest <laughs> as could be. And I think everyone was like, just hung their head a little bit because they're like, I, that's me. I've been there. <laughs> guilty, man. Absolute guilty. I know. Yeah. But it, I'll tell you what, two things. If I can take my son or daughter with me, which mm-hmm. we've done a lot of habitat work together, which yep. is usually at half speed. So. Yeah. How big of a chainsaw are you putting in, in your, your son's hand? Yeah, none. Yeah. It was like <laughs> we're planting food plots. He's yeah. come with me multiple times. Or awesome. Usually we'll, we'll go spend an hour trying to catch frogs in one of the ponds. That's like his, yeah. his truth. If he's good while we go do stuff, he gets to go catch frogs. Um, awesome. But no, it, it was so cool. And um, just a quick side note on the fishing. It, it was so fun and so good for my wife that when we had family come in um, early on um, during the, the COVID, when it wasn't quite so much of a shutdown, mm-hmm. she, she actually wanted them to go fishing. So literally it was her idea. And she, we woke up Saturday morning, like, what are we doing? She's like, let's take, let's take them fishing. So we it. did. So my brother-in-law is from California yeah. and uh, from like the Hollywood area. He actually works in the Hollywood scene and, mm-hmm. um, he, he just loved it. So we actually ended up going back before he left a week later um, to fish. And so we ended up taking people, some people who have never caught a fish before, and they went and caught fish and fish. So my wife What's loved it neat. enough to, I can truthfully say, it, it was her idea to invite some other people out <laughs> and uh, take them fishing. So. Cool. Man, that's awesome. And trail ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's such a... That's such a good way to, I, I guess, kind of wrap up Baroque's Bluff and and the experiences that are um, are being worked on right now. So, like, that's the fun thing about the transition of a property. You're not only enjoying the property itself, finding the winds, getting out there, sweating, improving habitat, but you're in the process of creating an environment and a property. Not only that, wildlife are going to benefit, the land's going to be improved, but another family is going to be able to come in and share those similar type experiences, pull together as a family, uh, unite and, and just enjoy that property. And that's what we love. Not only transforming properties, but also being the, the position to um, transfer properties to other people too. So like through, through real estate, you're, you're, you create memories and then boom, you share them. And I think that's got, Super big value because in in the near future, near coming years, that's the that's the long road for Baroque's Bluff. You know, there's gonna be other families that have the potential to enjoy this place. Yeah, for sure. Amen. So well, different different type of ROI. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, I appreciate your time, Brenton, for coming on and just kind of giving everyone an update. You know, this is again a, yeah. a cool project in, in a really neat area. And we'll be yeah. we'll be talking more about that probably the next um, next update, but um, kind of diving into not only just historically but what currently you know this region has to offer for for the outdoor enthusiast. So appreciate yeah. your time coming on and sharing that. And you know, guys, be looking for updates on social media. We're getting pictures from 
um, Brenton and his team there um, pretty frequently. So there's cool stuff happening. Be looking for that. Be following along with Burroughs Bluff. But, um, man, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. All right, man. We'll chat later. All right. Sounds good. Man, what an update. Sounds like Burroughs Bluff is just moving right along with um, – some some really cool techniques that they're that they're doing, you know. As we talked here recently with with Frank on a different podcast, we talked about just the principles of management. You hear us talk um, all the time about you know removing eastern red cedar, cutting it, spraying out cool season grasses, food plots, the the necessities of a trail system. Like it doesn't matter where you're at in the country, many of those same techniques are just going can be applied and it's just different and the response that you're going to get is different. So, um great work from from Brenton and the team there. Uh sounds like the road system, the access is definitely increasing. We've got a ton of old field management going in and around the property, um buffering, you know, views into the hardwood timber um along the edges of food plots. So buffers there. Um, as well as taking out a, a pretty good swath of eastern red cedar on the property, exposing the ever-fragile and diminishing Lus Hills and what they have to offer from diverse grasslands and lots of many wildflowers on those beautiful, beautiful bluffs overlooking the Missouri River. So um, really, really cool project, really neat um Really neat place. So we're excited to be able to bring that to you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, but first, before we go, I want to take a minute to shout out to Vortex. Vortex Optics, great company that supports this podcast. And um, it is definitely season prep. Whether you're going out west, you're hunting in the east, optics are an important part of a hunt. And so be sure to check out vortexoptics.com from rangefinders to rifle scopes to spotting scopes, binoculars, they've got it all, vortexoptics.com. Just put on a new Vortex scope on the Winchester 350 Legend. Adam and I will be sporting those rifles this fall, and we're super excited to be doing that. So if you guys have optics needs, go check out the guys at vortexoptics.com. While you're there, Feel free to use the code LEGACY20 on the apparel at Vortex Optics. So go grab a sweet hat, go grab a sweet shirt, use LEGACY20 in the checkout to get 20% off of your apparel. So guys, appreciate you listening so much this week and enjoy being outside, getting out there, improving the landscape. If you have questions, be sure to reach out, www.landlegacy.com. TV, click on the consulting tab, or just send an email to info at landlegacy.tv. We'll be happy to get with you. So, guys, appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next week. Yeah.